is this tomorrow. The sponsor of that record got me high, is a hallucinogenic drug. Effects typically include altered thoughts, feelings, and awareness of one's surroundings. Many users see or hear things that do not exist, dilated pupils, increased blood pressure, and increased body temperature are typical. Effects typically begin within half an hour and can last for up to 12 hours. Is This Tomorrow was first made by Woody Compton and Kelly Shane in 1938 in a laundromat in Tallahassee. In the 1950s, the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, believed that Is This Tomorrow might be useful for mind control. So they tested it on poodles, without their knowledge, in a program called LDOOP 4000. Is This Tomorrow does not appear to be addictive, although tolerance may occur with use of increasing doses. Adverse psychiatric reactions are possible, such as anxiety, paranoia, and delusions. Negative experiences, referred to as bad trips, produce intense negative emotions, such as irrational fears and anxiety, panic attacks, paranoia, rapid mood swings, and intrusive thoughts of hopelessness. It is impossible to predict when a bad trip will occur. If you're up for rolling the dice on a total cosmic freakout, man, or maybe a plunge into the abyss of ultimate sorrow, hit up, is this, tomorrow.com, is this, Tomorrow.com is this tomorrow.com All right, let's do this. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. And we welcome you to another episode. Barry just said it's our 102nd. 102. 102. Uh, real quick, like to welcome our newest patrons. Uh, we have we have Frank, uh, the, the like uh, Cher or Madonna. We have Frank. We have Josh Metzger and Brooke Dorsch. Those are our three most recent awesome. ones. Recent Thank ones, you. don't forget, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH and become a patron like our guest tonight, who is here in studio. Let's welcome Mr. Tom Lowry. Thank you. Nice welcome to be here. Tom. And Tom, I'll tell you, Tom is someone, Barry, I think that all other guests should aspire to be, because what does he do? Yeah. He comes here to he drive. He drives over here across town. He yeah. takes us out to eat. That's true. <laughs> uh He's a patron already. He's a loyal patron. So I mean, every any other guest should aspire to be. This should like, be the bar you, you guys set. Exactly. It's true. He's but, the you gold, know, Tom Laurie is the gold standard. Don't of that let, don't let anybody. Guests. Don't let Rob shame you into anything you don't. Oh, want I'll to shame. Do. I'll shame them all day long and all night long. All right. So Tom, <laughs> welcome again. And uh, what is the record you brought for us tonight to talk about? The name of the album is Melody Attack, all also right. known as Remain in Light. There we go. Uh, the name of the band is Talking Heads. That's right. Was the album uh, uh, Remain in Light? Called? No, but was oh. it called Melody Attack? It was. Time? In the the working uh, name was Mel- Melody Attack. Oh, I did they, not know they that. They chose okay. better. I think Remain in Light is a <laughs> yeah. better. I know Melody Attack sounds. Melody yeah. Attack is goofy. It is. They got Weird. it from a Japanese game show. You know, oh, like, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? It's like the joke, the old joke about Mickey Mouse in front of the judge. He says the judge. Uh, you know, the judge he's, looks down he's at him. He's told this, like, this is the third time on this podcast that he's told this. But yeah, but it's on our two episodes. So. But not on mine. <laughs> judge says, Mr. Mouse, I can't grant you a divorce from your wife based on the grounds that she's crazy. And Mickey Mouse says, Judge, I didn't say she was crazy. I said she was fucking goofy. 
So it's a terrible <laughs> joke. How, and how does that pertain to the to the Because uh, Melody uh, Attack is sucking. a fu- Attack is a fucking goofy title, and, oh, and it's a good. Okay, if they had it. if they had picked that, this record yeah. would not be considered in the the way that it is. Think? I think I, I think the the title does have something about it. Has it. a yeah. huge yeah. Hip, yeah. huge impact. Remain in light. All right, so this is the fourth studio album released October eighth, nineteen eighty. So it's a nineteen. So it's an eighties record. It is, uh, which I wasn't sure on uh, Sire Records. Um, and recorded at Compass Point Studios in the Bahamas and yeah, yeah. Sigma Sound Studios in Philadelphia. Right. Um, and produced, which I, I didn't realize, Dave, longtime collaborator uh, Brian Eno. Right? Yes. This is his third uh, third one he did with them. Yep. Third and final. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and also, I had read that he uh, initially he wasn't interested in doing another record with them. That's right. Yeah. So when he, they went to the Bahamas, um, Initially, it was uh, Chris France and Tina Weymouth uh, went to the Bahamas, um, and then David and Jerry joined them later. And uh, they they asked Brian, "Hey, do you do you like the the sound of it? Would you come over and take a listen?" He's like, "I'm not interested." And he heard the just the groove tracks they'd put down. He's like, "You've got you're onto something here. This right. is cool." So all of a sudden, he was interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, so, what's the um, what's the uh, the secret? Undercurrent of this record, the groove tracks. Who were they listening to? Yeah, so it almost depends on who you ask, but um, it goes to uh, uh, Fela uh, Fela Cootie. But also, Jerry's like very, and and Chris and and Tina also say there's a lot of Parliament Funkadelic in here. Because James Brown, right? Well, that that too. Um, But But Fela looms large large yes over this record um and um they were sort of they were responsible for me hearing Fela because you know when this record came out they talked about him in interviews and then oh, I went okay out. so you so you worked uh, backwards from that and i did and grabbed it there was a Fela okay. this Fela compilation called black president yes great great compilation it is mm-hmm. and uh that was my introduction to Fela and i used to drive around orlando listening to Fela in my car and people would be like what the fuck is this and i was yeah. like it's this guy Fela you know he's a character too he had 12 Ooh. he had 12 wives yeah. uh he went to oxford to study uh, medicine and ended up hanging out with the musicians and yep. got into musicians, and, and they taught him James Brown, and he went back into uh, Nigeria and became quite, quite the star. Afrobeat, basically. Yeah. He had one of the greatest drummers of all time, Tony Allen, mm-hmm. um, a guy who, when he plays stuff, you go, that's not one guy playing that. There's no way. Yeah, the polyrhythms that, that he set down, and he has kind of a jazz feel to his music. It's yep. very- Horns. um, just repetitive, like James Brown, but more sophisticated um, um, and very, very, very um, pointed political lyrics. Lyrics that are oh, so yeah. pointed that the government, he had a compound in, in Lagos, Nigeria, that the government came and raided the compound and threw his mother out of a second story window and killed her. Yeah, uh, oh a, and he yeah. took the he took her body, put it in a coffin, and brought it to um, like their capital building. And yeah, and started writing yeah. about it. I mean, he's he's lucky he didn't get killed over there. He well, really is. Yeah. But they put him in jail for yeah. he was jailed on the eve of a U.S. tour, and uh, when he got out, he died of AIDS in 1997. Whoa, quite the story behind him. But yeah, he's definitely looms large. Brian Eno kind of gave them an album and said, yeah, "Listen to this." Listen, and yeah. David Byrne was very into the whole African culture, uh, reading books, and um, uh, seeing uh, King Sonny A Day is another one. Right, they right, right. To. Yeah, sure. And then you take Roxy Music and The Modern Lovers and All you throw that it stuff. in. All that stuff. Yeah. Put it, and 
Yeah, because Jerry Harrison was in the Modern Love. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and you put that in a blender with uh, you know some Bowie here and a couple of other things. Adrian Ballou's guitar playing, yeah. which is another element that makes this record. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, it does. Yeah, there's two. There's they hit, they got a bunch of people to play, but the two people that loom large is um, no, no Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no yeah. No Hendrix, who who um, uh, Jerry Harrison, I think, had produced a record yep. by her right before mm-hmm. that. And uh, so her uh, backing vocals, and then Adrian Ballou, like you said, his guitar work just sort well, of. Well, also in the backing vocals, you can also hear Brian Eno extra- mm-hmm. in the backing. Oh yeah, that's right. That's there's right. a huge yeah. number of like it's like up oh, there's Eno. You can hear his sound. Yeah, there. it's usually him, David Byrne, and Nona doing one of the looped, you know, yeah, background right, right, things. Right, those right, three yeah. get together, yep. and they have that kind of weird, cool sound put together. Yep. Fascinating. Yeah, but Jerry's the one who brought, um, you know, Bernie Worrell and yeah, Nona. So that's kind of where you get a lot of the funk. And one thing about Talking Heads, most of the CBGB bands were going away from um, the the roots of blues and African American influence. You know, the the right, Ramones that's right. and yeah, everybody right. else was television was running the other way. And these guys brought it all back together. Correct. Uh, and they even, you know, there's even an influence of hip hop, the early hip hop, and we'll talk about oh, yeah, that. Right. Yeah. yeah, and right. that was a lot with uh, Tina and, yeah. Um, and yeah, Chris. Uh, and Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also um, created, there was a great deal of tension with the band at this point because oh, yeah there's so much tension which the yeah. bag was uh, almost on the verge of uh, breaking, breaking up, up because of it was Brian Eno has a tendency to um, I think he and David Byrne got together they actually made um, uh, Tina and um, Chris re-audition to be in the band <laughs> Yeah, and so Tina was like, you know, fuck them, I'm out of here. And Chris is the the glue. You know, yeah, he, he right. was actually the founder. You know, he started right. getting David in the band first, and then he brought Tina along as bass. Right. Well, and Tina and, and Chris are are husband and wife. Right. So yeah. still, it still are. Yeah. And, yeah sure. but, awesome couple. Yeah, awesome and uh, and she's one of my favorite bases. Not one of my female favorite bases. One of my she, favorite yeah, bases. Yeah, she is. And I and yeah. I was thinking, listening to this man, she's like the. Secret. Uh, she is the weapon secret weapon of this band, right? Absolutely. Sure. But but anyway, back to the tension. So, um, actually, you know, Tina's saying to Chris, "Hey, listen, why don't we get after they met Adrian Blue? Why don't we get him to lead the band?" And we dump David, and she, <laughs> and, right? And he's going, "No, no, no, no. We got a good thing going. Let's keep it together. Yeah. Let's take a vacation to Nassau." Um, they hung out with uh, Sly and Robbie. Yeah, played drums. Played Nobody smoked weed, oddly enough. None, none. Yeah, uh, they went to Haiti, studied <laughs> voodoo, and then everybody started going to Nassau. And um, you know, they all kind of liked it. Um, I, I think that's the break there, and then the break after this album are kind of what kept the band together. Right. But it was it was a very tense. Yeah. Because, well, Eno also he had worked with Bowie on, yeah. and he he did the uh, Low and Heroes, and then during Lodger. There was tension during Lodger. I think that, you know, um, Bowie was ready to do something, maybe other things. And mm-hmm. Eno, you know, is a he's a powerful figure. Um, and then so Talking Heads, they've done their second record and um, Fear of Music. Mm-hmm. They did more songs about building the food and Fear of Music and now Remain in Light. And David and Brian have this, have made a put out a solo record, mm-hmm. recorded a solo al- album. Yeah, my so life in the bush, bush of ghosts, ghosts right. came out uh, after before. this. Was it after this or before it, this? It came it's out recorded after, before but recorded this. Right. Before okay, this. Right. Okay. So okay. it's sort of a it's sort of a test bed for some things that happen on here. Right. Um, yeah, they go out to so um, they go out to the Mojave Desert to make this found sounds out of Lomax. 
or Alan Lomax, um, you know, uh, we're going to yeah, make sure. up this culture thing. And they ja- asked John Hassel, which will come up later. Right. Um, let's go out and do that. And it doesn't work. So they go back and do in, in L.A. to do My Life in the Bush of Ghosts. They get it mostly done and they have some legal problems with one woman's voice on it. So that's right. That's snags right. Snags it. Yeah. But that kind of sets some of the tone. Um, one other thing about the tension, though, is at the end of this album, they, uh, Eno says, well, okay, me and David are going to get all the credits. Oh, and God, remember, I, I read that. Yeah, and, you know, the other band members go like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? I mean, come on, man. Right. You know, because Tina would have to, like, they would record a lot of these groove tracks. They, all they did was groove tracks yeah. in Nassau. They didn't do yep. vocals. Right, right. And Brian would do bass um, during the day or night, when, one of the two. Tina would come in with the engineer and redo the bass. She said, oh, he's fucked it all up. Let's do it again <laughs> right. and put the real bass down. Right. Good mm. for her. But yeah, I read, I mean, it was really, it was really bad what they did because basically they had agreed, they 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 all agreed that they would just credit the songs in alphabetical order yeah. to everyone. Like David Byrne, Brian yeah. Eno, Chris Franz, Jerry Ars, Tina Wemos. And then when it was released at the last minute, it said all songs written by David Byrne and Brian Eno, except Houses in Motion and The Overlord, Ooh, wow. written by David Byrne, Brian that's Eno, how, and Jerry Harrison. That's how, that's how it works. Peter. Yeah, right. and according to, uh, to Tina, uh, Byrne told the graphic designer to change the credits on... Eno's advice Like Eno said No no You yes. should do this And he fucking listened And did it And then yeah Later uh, uh, Later editions They actually fixed it And now they do Credit the band again But uh, yeah Chris Franz said It was They all felt like that, really that was the beginning I'm like by that They did get burned And they yeah. You know and, that was, from, from I'm not sure tell, I don't think the I don't think the band Ever recovered from that I agree um, mm. Probably not Yeah as, well, from, a, from a band perspective mm-hmm. um, The record After this album it, Well there's You know There's the live record record and but the record yeah. after this album uh speaking in tongues mm-hmm. is really great as well um but i it doesn't there's something that, that got lost up the, the sort of unity they do yeah this is their my opinion you know this is their their the paramount that the top oh yeah album. sure this is it and they start sure. sliding and i think you're hitting on the one of the causes of it you know they go off after this record and they do the tom tom club right uh he does his own thing yeah with um uh Tarp, Kath- and yeah, he does the, the, the uh catherine wheel catherine wheel right. soundtrack, right. which is an incredible record right. as well yeah so, and he's great david Byrne is a is a super uh, creative, talented, intelligent guy, but you gotta also figure he's he's kind ass. of a pain in the ass to work with. Yeah, it, okay. so. yeah. In his interviews later in life, he recognized, you know, like she called him a Tina called him a bad guru. He he kind of admits that I was kind of a, an asshole he early did own, on. Own up to it. Okay. Yeah, well, he that's does. Good. They still and, don't speak highly of him though. No. Chris and Tina. Yeah, no. There's there's from, stuff on even on Facebook where they say uh, for good reason. I'm sure. I'm you sure. know, it's it, it's it, it hurts when someone basically stabs you in the back. Yeah, it's hard to recover from that. And, and you know, the other one, like uh, Jerry Harrison, uh, by the way, a brilliant guy on his own. Yep. Oh yeah, but on some solo records, I had that. Yeah. Also, seems like a, a good guy too. Jerry he, Harrison he seems, seems like a really good. He's like a guy. He's into business. You know, he got a degree from Harvard. Right, right. Um, but he's into, uh, he, he crowdsourced like an anti-venom sort of thing. And he's into, uh, he's a very smart guy. Right. He's branched out from just music. But right now he's touring with Adrian Ballou um, on a 40th anniversary of this record and doing the record in its entirety really? at music festivals. Oh, that's I great. I, I had no know idea. I have no idea. You know they, we don't know that because they're not coming to Miami. I can well, tell you right I'm asking, <laughs> I'm asking him to go to Halloween. You know, we missed Okeechobee. Maybe he'll come to Florida, but if he comes anywhere near, he's doing with a band called Turquoise. I think I might pronounce that wrong. But anyway, 
They're touring the the festivals right now, and uh, uh, you know that would just be awesome, like a ten person band. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think mm-hmm. it would be. So you, so Tom, you were mm-hmm. obviously already a Talking Heads fan. You did, were you a fan like pretty much from the beginning of them? Uh, I caught them at Fear of Music was my so I'm in middle school and Fear of Music pops out and I'm reading this pamphlet bored in middle school one day and it says if you're interested in weird and bizarre music try yeah here come the Warm Jets or Fear of Music and so I'm like okay I went to the record store and picked up Fear of Music which is you know a, a great but weird ass music I mean it's strange oh it's, it's, it's great though it's I one really, of their I love I, I yeah. remember buying that too I remember going to the record store and buying it and I don't remember why it was probably either I read something about yeah. it or something, but I didn't really know much about Talking Heads, and I remember getting that and just being... Uh, Life War During War Time was out, you know, so yeah. I, I started from there, and that's uh, 79, and went backwards and forwards, and from there on out. Okay. Saw him twice, uh, saw him in Gainesville, and saw him in Tallahassee. Um, uh, Gainesville was the uh, the band show. It was like 200 people. It was raining. It was, oh, you wow. know, I think it was their, hmm, that was probably 82. Pause for a second. Mm. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm going yeah. I'm, I'm to let you guys in on something, which maybe you'd be surprised. As much as I, I've, I've, I've owned Talking Heads Records and I've liked them, but there's, I've never, I never think of them as one of, uh, as one of my top, like if I gave you a tw- uh, top, 20 bands they wouldn't be in there and i've just never there's something about talking heads that i've never connect been able to connect i I know i know what you're talking about because i love this record yeah it's it's great it's a great record it's fun to listen to i'll go back and i'll listen to um fear of music sometimes yeah and i'll go back and i'll listen to the first one sometimes Yeah, yeah But there's something. They're very. They're super smart, intelligent, it's intellectual. A, it's, it's very a, um, a detachment. There's a cold. That's detachment exactly right. That's exactly right. That it's hard to connect to. All right. So I'm going to disagree. No, you I, can disagree. Yeah. You're allowed. So <laughs> I think. I think if you listen to some of the lyrics, you'll hear compassion in this. Unlike a lot of bands during their time period. Um, it's the delivery that's calculating. It's not. I mean, they don't write a whole lot of love songs. They right. got no, like, no, no, and that's fine. And, called, and that's not necessarily yeah. going to going to mean that that's a kind of band I'm going to connect to. But I don't know what it is. It's just like I said. It, it, yeah. it's me. I, I know. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and I have right? exactly the same thing. Where basically, if I'm going to listen to a Talking Heads record, it's going to be this one, mm-hmm. and then maybe Fear of Music. But and then I'll go back and I'll try and listen. To, to, you know, it just doesn't um, resonate. It do, yeah, it. Um, I I appreciate it. Mm. I listen to it. and I go, oh yeah, this is a great band. Exactly. They're a great band. They have great songs. I appreciate it. But yeah, there's something about it and that some, I don't no, resonate, connect with. But I it, guess I'm. Uh, you know, obviously they're not. Obviously they're they're. I was thinking the last episode we did with you was REM. We right. did uh, REM, their mm-hmm. second album. Reckon. And I was thinking, much like REM, Talking Heads a band where you think, oh, okay, well they're huge. They became they're mm-hmm. a huge band, but still, there's plenty of people that that like like uh, modern music, Joe, that n- never heard of them. Just right. like there are people mm-hmm. they, they never heard of the Talking Heads, and they, even though they're 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 huge. But um, there's, uh, you know, they're not they're huge to people like we, mm-hmm. you know, we know and the type of music we like. They're I, one I of the think they're slightly they're they're popular. I think they're really beloved by people who are a little more intellectual than you and I, Rob. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I, I didn't. Enough. I didn't want to be explicit about saying that. I don't, you'll still probably be taken oh, out. Could, also, no, I could tell you were totally thinking that. My friend, my friend, my friend Gary Waterman, who I'm childhood friend. Mm. 
he loves talking heads and he's a little bit more um, brainy than I am. So, but yeah. you know, there comes there's bands that I probably don't like you guys love. It's just a preference, you know. No, it you, is. It is. A it's a feeling. And, and, you know? At the end of the day, it's not something I could put my finger on. But, right, in but you know this, it. I, I did, and there's mm-hmm. one particular thing in this, when we get to the song here, that kind of made it stand out for me. Like I sort of said, ah, this, this, is, it, this is it. So when we get to it, I'll let you know. But let's, uh, so let's start listening to this record right. anyway. Yeah. Uh, Pause for one sec, Rob. Yeah. Pause. Okay. Uh, let's get in this album, huh? Now that I've had my um, my nerves totally shattered by our equipment. <laughs> you know, it's all it's not technology, a, which is kind of... Apropos technology for because this True, is yeah. even though this uh, whole record kind of marries the the mm-hmm. tribal primal mm-hmm. with there's a lot of like modern yeah. synth yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, and yeah, Asian yeah. blues. Definitely. All right, let's listen to the first song, "Born Under Punches." So you'd already had Fear of Music. You were a fan of the band. Mm-hmm. When you got this record, were you like kind of surprised by uh, by what you were hearing? Or? I was. I'm like, is this going to be a whole album of E. Zimbra from that? You know, that's kind of where they started with True. a lot of this. Right. Yeah. They used that yeah. as a starting and, point yeah. from the But from then it just album, gets, the they kept, kept on adding more and more layers. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, it just is so complex. It right. blew me away. Yeah. It, honestly, I was floored when I... Even from fear of music to this is to me a big leap. Oh yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, well, and it's. Um, I would have to say I remember buying this record and taking it home and putting it on and being like, you're sort of um, perplexed, right? Yeah. It's like I like the way this sounds, but there's it's alien music. Um, there's like an alien quality to what's going on, and it's definitely very different than even from Ezembra, basically. Yeah. I mean, if you, this is a, um, a, a whole different sound and a whole different structure of things that are going on. And um, I mean, it, you know, it grew on, certainly grew on me over time, and I have my favorite tracks on the record, but it's. Um, Quantum leap for I hate to use the word quantum leap, but they the quantum leap forward for the band as far as uh, you know sophistication and um, it, it, everything. I, right, it has that groove that they layer and then they layer down top. These of are that. not really songs. Yeah. These are just like you said, groove tracks yeah. that they have added. Um, you know, melodies on 
what was the title of the record? Oh, uh, Melody Attack. Melody, yeah. <laughs> Melody Attack. Terrible name. <laughs> but Melody yeah, Attack. Yeah, and then and then this is also David Byrne, like sort of experimenting, trying out new things with uh, singing, where he was right. he was uh, he was toying. Well, he was toying with the thing. He said some African musicians, if they forget the words of a song or something live, they'll just make up. They'll make up things. So yeah, they was, didn't. They didn't leave uh, Nassau with. He just had. To, uh, I think you mentioned this in one of your other podcasts. Uh, they just made up the words just we to have fill other it in. shows. <laughs> yeah, did we do some other shows? This was the Foo Fighters one. I think you mentioned it, Barry. <laughs> just, or, just nonsense words to like right, fill in. Sure, just so you words. Get an and idea sometimes of the mel- uh, melody. They, they, yeah. stick. they stick. Right, right. like the Pixies. Um, and he would take a recorder and walk around and fill in the words until it works. So right, some of these, exactly, exactly. So when we don't get some of the lyrics here, that's because they're not to be got. Right. <laughs> but this song in particular, Born Under Punches, though, I read it has something to do with the Watergate, right? Like, yeah. Uh, the oh, public yeah, right. paranoia yeah, uh, sure. uh, that followed the Watergate scandal. So Yeah, he listened to John Dean's uh, testimony. <laughs> and, you know, right. not that this is relevant today at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. But, Gosh. Um, Who remembers yeah. Watergate? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. long ago. But um, That'll never happen <laughs> again. <laughs> dead Ken- all of a sudden, we're doing a Dead Kennedy's <laughs> right yeah. right. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <Well, laughs> Yeah. yeah, but um, he listened to that, and you know he's got this. There's a theme that runs through this about the the average person versus society or government, and how do you you know this is a bureaucrat yeah. trying to handle his job under punches, under pressure, Born I, under right. punches. Yeah. Well, what cracks me up is I read something about him talking about this record where he was trying. To get away from his usual themes of like uh, paranoia and everything, and it's like a lot of the songs yeah, on here sound right. pretty goddamn <laughs> sure. paranoid. Yeah. Like this next one here, which has got more funk and it grooves, but it's still got this paranoid uh, edge to me. It's called uh, "Let's Listen to a Little Bit of Cross-Eyed and Painless." You know what the song does not yes, need more of? For, you hear the Brian I hear in that, you hear the Brian Eno, oh, right, right, his right. timbre in that background section right, right there. Him, Nona, and, uh, yeah. and mm-hmm. David Byrne. But uh, you know what this, What does it not need it, more? Uh, in the words of Christopher Walken, it doesn't need... <laughs> And any more cowbell. cowbell. No more cowbell. <laughs> right. But listen, just, just in this, that groove, the, the, uh, Tina and Chris just have, uh, they, they lock down this groove, and it's like, it, yeah. it, it, it's... Um, Husband and wife, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what they what David said was, hey, I don't need three chords like punk. I'm going to do one chord. And they pull things out. They loop things. And this is all manual back then in the sure. 80s. Yeah, sure. Right. So they would do four minutes, and they'd pull things out, pull things back in. Right. And and layer it. and, and But basically, this is where the, the fella thing comes in um they just 
kept to one group the right, whole time. Right, right. Oh yeah, it, right, it, right. It, 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 there's not a whole lot of you know. There's there's the illusion of changes, but there's not. They're not really there. Right. It's, well, right. it's yeah. Well, there's a continuous pulse through the thing, and different elements are like you said are, yeah. are brought in and out, and that's how Fela tunes work as well. Yeah. But his will be nineteen or twenty minutes long. Yeah, yeah. And um, he'll you know. He'll uh, in, in, he'll play a saxophone solo and a keyboard solo and then another sax solo by somebody else and then he'll do his thing, which is Susan goes. Um, Fela had a son or has a son named Femi mm-hmm. who put out some records, and we watched a live um, Femi thing and you know we liked the Femi records, but she was like the difference between Femi and Fela. It's like Fela, he's poking you in the chest. The entire time, yeah. like Femi's more talking, but he's mm-hmm. good natured. Fela, the dad, the the progenitor, is angry. Yeah, and is he does not he he puts you on the end of a pointed stick and doesn't let you off. Yeah, very very political uh, and and pointed right at the government of right. Nigeria. Right. Yeah, yes, he, he had issues, and uh, some of that plays into some of this stuff. Well, too. there's yeah, yeah. but but also see all right, what you're saying, you're talking about someone that has. Passion, an extreme amount of passion, oh, and yeah. that's the one thing that I don't get from David Byrne. I don't get, I get uh, uh, manufactured and over and thinking uh, and intellectualized. It's very intellectual. Yes, he which is, is not necessarily it's a, a bad di- thing. It's a different strategy. It's, uh, yeah, I, totally I would. Different. I would just suggest if you if you see him live or listen to him live, he's got passion in it. He does. He, no, my, my, it, yeah, it's true. He, he's, he's a great just, per- performer, but just it just maybe not my. You know, it, it doesn't come across to you. I get exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. So, what's this song about? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I got two. One is once it's the paranoia one, but then yeah, I read right. something online that it started all lining up, and that was um, remember they lived in the Bowery with the other CBGBs guys, right? Sure, and it was a shithole back then. Yep, everybody's a junkie. Uh, there was one time where a junkie broke into the, uh, uh, they call it the talking head's home, right. they had the blondie home. <laughs> okay, all right. And he right. held him um, at, at knife point, but it was a letter opener. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I know a guy who robbed a convenience store with a stapler one time. So. <laughs> Shout out to Troy Kimber, yeah. Orlando, Florida. All right, well, good for, uh, good for him. But yeah. um, anyway, I'm wondering if Cross-Eyed and Painless isn't about one of the junkies. You know, he's Cross-Eyed and Painless. Oh, uh, yeah, right. Okay. Um, you know, he might end up in the hospital. Right. Um, right, right, right. And he doesn't trust the facts. People are telling him, you know, you're going to die from this shit. Right. And uh, okay. I don't believe you. And then, you know, it kind of fits in that way. It, it could also be a little less um, pointed on, on that and just be about a person that's kind of paranoid that doesn't trust facts or, you know, right. versus the truth. Right. So right. I don't know which one it is, but I, I like the lines where he says there was a line, there was a formula sharp as a knife. Facts cut a hole in us. Yeah, that's just <laughs> awesome. That's good. Yeah. And so he does the at the end of this, he does the Curtis Blow. You know, like I said, uh, Chris France had turned him on to Curtis Blow, which yeah. was the beginning of hip hop. Right. And that's David Byrne in his facts ex- are simple and facts are straight. Trying facts to do hip hop. Right. 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 Trying. Right. Facts are do. We want to do. Yeah. All right, so now this next one here, it, this song really moves. This song kicks into high gear, and and it uh, it's almost like two songs in one because uh, this, it's in one way it sounds more like maybe the traditional uh, punk new wave uh, uh, talking heads, but then you've got still got the extra uh, the African uh, uh, looping and per- percussion and the background vocals in this one. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of the Great Curve.
Okay, so if anyone pays attention to my social media feed, you may have seen recently me post um, this song, The Great Curve, and it's Genesis. The song is basically lifted straight off a Fela song called Shuffering and Smiling. Mm -hmm. And it's a sped up version of Shuffering and Smiling, so much so that the background vocals are, when they're singing, um, Night Must Fall, Darker, Darker. In Fela, um, they're singing, um, let me think about what they say. It's, um, he starts talking about, Fela's talking about, Fela's talking about religion and the corrosive effect of religion on African culture. And um, God, what the hell are they saying? Anyway, uh, their vocals like our guest Tom does. Maybe sorry, you know I'm, have, I'm busy with this <laughs> fucking equipment that we got here, um, and I'll I'll think of it. Um, but it's exactly the same. They're singing in exactly the same way. It's Fela's background singers, and um, okay. Well, this one, I, I feel like this one is sort of their version of the Earth Mother. Creation yeah, sure. Type thing, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, th- I totally agree with you. It could be two levels. So uh, there's that that level and um, the Yoruba, um, if I'm saying that right, yep. uh, religion. There's a couple of go- goddesses, uh, Yasan, Oya, that have been in Nigerian goddesses of the wind or of the river. And there's a lot of, you know, you, you'll, you'll hear in the next song about water, but that's where a lot of, you know, David Byrne started reading these books from a guy named Robert Ferris Thompson, who wrote African Art in Motion. And that's the guy, he kind of said there's rhythms to everything. And, you right, know, th- right. this translates to modern day times, you know, it was either pagan or foreign to Mother Mother Nature, Mother Earth. And right, the, right. The, the, feminine, the feminine goddess as opposed to... Yes. Um, Which uh, is funny because mm-hmm. the Fela tune they lift it from, he says... Um, I want to take you, I want you to take your minds out of every goddamn mosque, out of every goddamn celestial, every goddamn, and take it out of all these. And he starts talking about how the religion, all the religions in Africa have, have caused the people to be basically putting up with suffering every day, suffering every day, my people, they suffer every day. They suffer for water. They suffer for electricity. They got no, no food in their house. And um, so it's an opposition to um, what Fela's tune is just like, fuck this shit. Yeah. And, and the other thing that um, th- this could be just about uh, an individual and a, and a woman, you know, how. Well, watching where he says the world moves on a woman's, woman's hips. Woman's the hips. Yeah, it's a great line. I love it's that. It and and bops. This might yeah. be my favorite song on the well, album. It is. So, this is yeah. definitely you my, know, yeah. But do you think the, so a, a woman, what does a woman have? A woman has curves, but when she's pregnant, when she's creating oh, yeah, life, sure. yeah. that's the great curve. Right, uh, right. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, you know, very I, smart. I, I think you're smart. onto something there. So yeah, it kind of works on two levels. Mother nature and how you know you should respect her. And the the individual woman, right, right, uh, and right, the respect right. uh, of her and how she's opened my eyes up. And the other thing is, this is kind of you know, it's kind of got that groove. And then um, David and Brian Eno say, "All right, Adrian, I'm, I'm going to give you a minute." To oh, just, Adrian, oh, right that's at the right. end. We didn't yeah. even mention. You yeah, did, so uh, he goes and so you're listening to this, and all of a sudden he goes into this wild ass guitar solo right. that yeah. barely sounds like a guitar. Right. Yeah. Well, well, he, was, he was experimenting. He he used yeah. a, a synth, like a, a yeah. guitar, one of those uh, guitar. Synth so this things. is just a guitar. And a, this is back when 
This is just Adrian in a guitar and a distortion box and his amp standing in front. He and he influenced so many like '80s rock guitar. Yeah, everybody who heard Adrian, it's like everybody who heard Eddie Van Halen. Right. You know, everybody heard shitty band. Exactly, it was a bunch of shitty guitar players. Right, and everybody who heard Adrian Blue, there's a lot of '80s songs where all of a sudden you hear people doing this thing with the with the the whammy bar and trying to do Adrian, but not quite getting that just insane otherworldliness oh, of it's his great. playing. And it really yeah. adds so much to this oh, record. Oh, yeah. His, they're they're his, not the twang bar king, though, though, like he is. No, uh-uh, no. <laughs> no, no. And the, he didn't start all those hair bands either, so he's not to blame for he, all uh, that true, shit. True, true, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so that... Uh, uh, weirdly, those three songs are the whole first side yeah, of, it's, of it's the Yeah, uh, it's the not a lot of songs on the record. Yeah, this might be the fewest songs you've had on a podcast. Eight songs. I went back and tried to find some. True. It might not be the shortest album, but the fewest songs. Yeah, well, it the is. songs are gone long, but these... All right, so we're done with side one, so let's take a little break. Uh, maybe get Barry some Xanax for pills. the uh, sound problems we're pills. having. Yeah. <laughs> Calm him down a little. Like that Bo Diddley and song. And we'll be I back with more Tom Laurie. Uh, that record got me high. We'll be back in a minute. All right. This tomorrow, the sponsor of that record got me high, is a hallucinogenic drug. Effects typically include altered thoughts, feelings, and awareness of one's surroundings. Many users see or hear things that do not exist. Dilated pupils, increased blood pressure, and increased body temperature are typical. Effects typically begin within half an hour and can last for up to 12 hours. Is This Tomorrow was first made by Woody Compton and Kelly Shane in 1938 in a laundromat in Tallahassee. In the 1950s, the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, believed that Is This Tomorrow might be useful for mind control, so they tested it on poodles, without their knowledge, in a program called LDUPE 4000. Is This Tomorrow does not appear to be addictive, although tolerance may occur with use of increasing doses. Adverse psychiatric reactions are possible, such as anxiety, paranoia, and delusions. Negative experiences, referred to as bad trips, produce intense negative emotions, such as irrational fears and anxiety, panic attacks, paranoia, rapid mood swings, and intrusive thoughts of hopelessness. It is impossible to predict when a bad trip will occur. If you're up for rolling the dice on a total cosmic freakout, man, or maybe a plunge into the abyss of ultimate sorrow, hit up is this tomorrow.com is this tomorrow.com is this tomorrow.com All right, are we ready? Are we doing this? We are. Yeah, we've been. Some right, of this is going to make it in. Yeah, shit about you going to prison, that's going in. <laughs> this, no, no, come on. Uh, this is that record got we me high. We didn't talk about why. That is Barry Stock. That is prisoner number. Um, I know, oh, but sorry. people speculating would be even <laughs> yeah, worse. Your street, your street cred's going you didn't way do up. Anything bad. I'm going to speculate <laughs> no. worse. Yeah, you didn't oh, do anything Jesus. bad. We We're with our guest Tom Lowry. 
who uh, he was the first. He was our first guest. That someone that came that we didn't know at all, and that I was afraid he was going to murder us. And he still hasn't murdered. Yeah. Well, still, you know, he still got a shot. He knows where the kitchen he could is. Be doing the long con. Right? Oh, yeah, it, right, it is. Yeah. This is the long game. Waiting so for his third, <laughs> third, third times the charm. He's going to show up. The <laughs> chainsaw, the leather mask. Show up yeah. in a black van painted with black flat we'll do, spray we'll paint. We'll do a Sunday Bloody Sun. No, we'll do a, <laughs> um, <laughs> do a Gigi Allen record. Yeah, in the show. yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about mm-hmm. Talking Ed's Remaining Light. And now so we I get, should say, yes. in case some of that didn't, what Fela's singers are oh, saying. Oh, Jesus, more Fela? <laughs> Dude, Fela, Fela is this record. He is okay, that ahead. you can't. Go ahead, Barry. His singers are saying, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to edit out your snarky little shit, too. So. <laughs> Um, we'll have uh, three minutes of the show. <laughs> right. Whatever. Oh, right. If, three, if I end out Rob's snarky shit, we got three minutes. <laughs> They're saying amen instead of darker. So you just right. sub it in. So go ahead. That's it? Uh, fail, oh, that's it? Oh, okay. <laughs> the, I thought it was going to... If you had interjected, it would have been I thought, over yeah. by now. I, I will say this. Fucking that, goofy. Um, Chris, In the ass. <laughs> Chris and Tina think that there's a lot more R&B, a lot more parliament than there is, you know, the, it, it's a, like I said earlier, it's a blender. Yeah. There's no one. I but. don't think they want to admit that they were so heavily, that it's so much. But yeah, you listen to to him and then you listen to this and like, oh yeah. I mean, it's it's there. But there is Parliament and Funkadelic for sure. But Fela was listening to Parliament and Funkadelic and they were, they weren't listening to him. Right. But, you know, he was hearing American influence, James Brown and that stuff. But the African, the Afrobeat thing is serious. Yeah, in the, the trance-like thing. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. that's yeah, the yeah, difference. Yeah, right? I, I agree with you. It's a lot more heavily influenced by him. Okay, so now we flip the record over and we get the the monster song, the song that probably the a, one. a lot, of, and it's also the one probably a lot of people. Uh, maybe the first time they heard them because uh, sure. MTV, the video they did for this MTV was was huge and they yep. played it all the time. It's one of the greatest rock videos ever made. It is. It's awesome. Let's listen to Once in a Lifetime. And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself in a beautiful house. With a beautiful wife And you may ask yourself Yeah, that's I'm asking myself. Where is that large automobile? <laughs> and, and Rob's asking himself, my God, what, what have, have I done? I done? Um, all right. One thing I just want to say right off the back. For me, what moves this song and what makes this song is Tina's yes. simple oh, bass yeah, the bomb- the bass. It's in there. Bomb- yeah. And that's yeah. the brilliance of right. the, uh, Tina Wima because she had a way of just finding these, these simple sounding but yep. just perfect uh, bass lines that yep. just and that just that makes and the way it syncopates in and out uh, of the of well you know, the and there's song. also that synth 
that synth loop. That that's, shimmery, yeah, that shimmery that, synth. So, so that's Jerry Harrison and Brian Eno coming up with that, oh, that okay. watery yeah. sound. Yes. Yeah, right. That watery sound. It's great. Uh, and so it, it's brilliant. And then you get David Byrne doing the, basically doing a preacher of stuff. Yeah. You heard yes. like a pre- Ta- and this, yeah, yeah, and okay. Do you know who choreographed this video, by the way? Tony Basil. Tony Basil. He, he dated her for a short period of time. The old Mickey, the old Mickey. Oh, uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, that's a great song. <laughs> that's timeless. But this, yeah, <laughs> that video is actually kind of Speaking timeless, of Mickey Mouse. Mickey <laughs> keeps on coming back. Fucking but, goofy. Fucking um, goofy. Yeah, so the, the, let's just talk about the video before. You, but yeah. um, So MTV, talk about good luck. So one of the reasons to talk, uh, Talking Heads got big was they timed this video right before videos had, yeah, they had no purpose. Right. So they make, so Tony um, Basil develops, you know, Burn and, and Burn's yeah. watching these African dances. They put this thing together. MTV comes along three, four months later, and they got nothing. Right. And so the A&R guys, you know, five years later, like, we're not putting that shit on, but like, give us whatever you got. And I remember watching this thing in heavy rotation on MTV. Oh, my yes, God. Yes, over, yes. And yeah. over and yeah. over and over again. it's mesmerizing. It is it's so, just, it's so <laughs> simple, but, yeah. you know. Green screen, and there's yeah. stuff, and, you know, it's very. And he's doing the arm thing. Yeah. It's just so well, cool. Well, I'm going to say, really cool. some of what informs this video is our friends from the band Devo, who are making conceptual yes. videos like this right right that were very highly influential on everyone who saw them i totally agree if i had to pick another band that's anywhere near them you know, yep. there's gang of four who kind of is doing some of the same sort of stuff true yeah funk yeah like with the yeah with the funk stuff and and then there's devo okay yeah, so man. let's let's talk about the song all right so basically it's about the futility of of not being happy with, with <laughs> things you have, whatever and 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 right and just and waking up and going Wait, where did all this fucking shit yeah, come from? How did I get here? How did all I right, get but here? But Byrne, I, I read a, qu- a quote by David Byrne with his take on the, on the inspiration for it. And it's another thing that bothers me about him a little is the way... All right, listen to the way he puts it. He said, most of the words in Once a Lifetime come from evangelists I recorded off the radio while taking notes and picking up phrases. Uh, for picking up phrases I thought were interesting directions. Maybe I'm fascinated with the middle class because it seems so different from my life, so dis- different from what I do. I can't imagine living like that. <laughs> well, is he? Where's he from? He's from. Is he a north? He's a northeasterner. He's, he's Scottish. So uh, he, but he's Scottish by way of Canada, by way of Baltimore. But still, even if you think that, don't say that out loud. Because right, so, okay, I've I've now got the word. That you're looking for, that it's the thing that probably makes us not fully warm to the Talking Heads, and it's the word is elitist. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> it. yeah exactly. Yeah, hundred percent. That's it. Okay, yeah. so ding ding ding. <laughs> okay, for so you middle class folks. <laughs> well, it's true. He no. does. He does speak as if he's coming from. You know, a different like I'm on like, and if you're so he's coming from that as an artist, not as a working man. You're probably right. It's um, not a uh, he, he not was, so much a class uh, classist thing. It's like an art he, versus. Uh, he said a lot of things that sometimes you know <laughs> you're going. What the hell were you thinking, David? But right. if if you if you look, I think what he one other comment that he said is this is not about materialism. This is about people subconsciously making decisions and then one day waking up and going, oh, how the, the hell did I get right, here? Right, right, yes. You know, so there's the While existential... sleep. Right. Basically, so, yes. And so for once in your lifetime, wake up and look around and just enjoy right. what you've got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, That's it, a it's, different it's take uh, on it when brilliant. I... It, yeah. it, it's brilliant, it is. But I, I think that there's a more positive look than a lot of people look at this song. They're like, oh my God, you know, I, I'm well, all about the Well, it's a person house. having a, a, like a um, road to Damascus experience yeah. where... Epiphany, having... Epiphany. Epiphany. Right, right. right. 
it doesn't matter if you have a big house or a small house. You know, right, someday right. you're going to wake up and you know you'll be without the money, like he says. You know, yeah, you'll right. be into the blue. And Some then, women like big houses. Less women like small houses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking um, of speaking, I'm of, not using any sort of metaphorical terminology there at all. <laughs> Quickly, next song. Uh, speaking of houses, uh, the next song. Next song we have uh, houses in motion. Big houses. <laughs> For a long time I felt without style or grace, wearing shoes with no socks. In cold weather, I knew my heart was in the right place. I knew I'd be able to do these things. As we watch him digging his own grave, it was important to know that was where he's at. Can't afford to stop, that is what he believed. He'll keep on digging for a thousand years. song is like, a, I feel like this is a continuation of the character in the song before, because this is basically a guy singing about uh, digging his own grave. It might be. It's certainly a guy on the margins. I think yeah. this is somebody that's kind of on the outside of society looking in. You know, I get a kind of kick out of the way he says he's not wearing any socks in cold weather. Like, right, <laughs> yeah, right. That's well, your... <laughs> uh, well, okay, there's a David Byrne character that goes way back to, um, oh, back to Psycho Killer, yeah. or he's fascinated with these People who are, who are, or even um, life during wartime, where you have um, I guess this government, you know, this vigilante that's on the move. Yeah, and um, I think there's ties to a lot of songs. So you, you can take um, life during wartime, the overload, and nothing but flowers, and kind of connect those. And and some of his characters, like the um, the talk, what's it, what's it about the government? Um, don't worry about. Oh don't yeah, worry don't, about, exactly on the first album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't worry um, about the government. Um, yeah, loved so, ones but, visit the building, right. take the highway. Yeah, you know, some guy who's obsessed with his his uh, clean, perfect government cubicle. Right, right. But this guy is he's a strange one, you know. And we're watching him digging his own grave. Right, right. He's, right. he's doing something weird, and then you have the back and forth. Get out of the way. You know, no. But we don't want to hear this guy talk because he's the strange guy down the hall. Yes, or, yes. yes, yes, right. Who's right. talking to himself. Yes. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and even, you know, when you go back to the, uh, like it says, uh, right about then is where she give up. She has closed her eyes. She give up, give hope. up hope. So I don't know if that's his mom or his girlfriend or the woman in the <laughs> gray curve. It's the girlfriend. Probably yeah. the girlfriend's like, yeah, I'm, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I'm, so done. I'm done. I'm He's out. Done. He's too weird yeah. for me. No way for him to leave. Right. I'm going to pack my shit and, and, yeah. all right, and also there's this creepy horn that comes at the end. I don't even know. Uh, John, you know well, that's John, John, John Hassel. That's John Hassel, right? Yeah. But what is, what, do you even know what kind of horn that is? He plays a trumpet through a um, harmonizer mm-hmm. okay and that okay. was his sound he put out an album with um, Brian Eno called um, Fourth World Possible Musics Volume 2 it's it's a it, it absolutely amazing incredible uh, it sounds like nothing else um, and it's his, his trumpet playing with Brian Eno un, up underneath it and uh, it's 
crazy, crazy good. Yeah, so he's a, a brilliant guy, like a, a jazz, almost a jazz right, uh, trumpeter. Right, right, right. And he did exactly what Barry said, and um, they, he worked a little bit, or he was going to work on My Life in the Bush of Ghosts, and then the same year that this came out, he did Fourth Worlds, which right. I agree. I, I, I still listen to that, and it's so bizarre. Yes. But it has that weird horn thing, and you're well, thinking... Well, he's playing a trumpet, but he's using a harmonizer, but yeah. it's in a way that makes it not... It makes it sound like... Um, Ancient, yeah, in some yeah. That's why yeah. so I couldn't figure out what it was, but it yeah, definitely kinda, adds to the paranoia of the song. It does it has creepiness. a vaporous feel to it, you yeah, know, kind yeah, of a yeah. wispy, well, that's, weird. And that's how Fourth World, it does. It, that Fourth World record is. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's a, so, and you know, what modern pop album has a bizarre horn solo in the middle of it? Oh, right. No. It's right, just right, right. that's what I love about this album. You know, you're going kind of this way, and then all of a sudden it stops, and Adrian Blue or John Hassel pops up. Somebody. It's very subversive, but it's also accessible, very oh, yeah. accessible. Well, what happens is you, listenable. Have, you, yeah. have, you have characters that they bring in that are like the unhinged portion. So right. it's, very, it's, very, it's very looped. It's very, you have these things that are sort of repetitive, but then you have an Adrian Ballou or a John Hassel mm-hmm. that comes in and is sort of like the fire that somebody lights a fire and it's like, oh shit, you know. Right, because you're kind of, so, you're into this trance because of the way that, you know, the, the thing's right. clicking along yep. as a song and all of a sudden, bam, it pops up. And yep. that's what I love about those two songs we just talked about. Sure. You know? All right, so this next one, this so you said as you said, most of these songs were basically instrumental tracks. That, uh, but this one, it's very obvious that it was an instrumental. It's like this choppy instrumental track that uh, Byrne basically is telling a a, a story over. Yep. And uh, let's listen to a little bit of seen and not seen. You would see faces in movies, on TV, in magazines, and in books. He thought that some of these faces might be right for him, and that through the years, by keeping an ideal facial structure fixed in his mind, or somewhere in the back of his mind, that he might, by force of will, cause his face to approach those of his ideal. The change would be very subtle. It might take ten years or so. Gradually his face would change its shape. More hooked nose. Wider, thinner lips. Beady eyes. A larger forehead. You know, just listening now, you know what this reminds me of a little bit? Uh, the uh, gift, the... Um Velvet Underground, <laughs> yeah, the gift, okay, just yeah, they, the way he's just delivering the story very so like yeah. little, they would have heard the gift, fact, yes, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But know. this is a weird fucking story and a weird song. It is right? the weirdest thing. I mean, you're le- you're trying to understand. Like this is like somebody telling you they got that weird theory about bumps on their head or something yes, goofy yes. like that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's basically about someone, a man that's insecure about his own appearance, identity, sure. appearance, and and thinks he could reshape it based on people he sees in popular culture. But then he realizes that his new appearance doesn't really fit no. in him, and that other people have gotten halfway and stopped, and it screwed up their, you know, their life too. That, you know, it's a, um, 
Maybe they imagined that their new face would better suit their personality. Yeah. Or maybe they imagined that their personality would be forced to change to fit their new appearance. Yeah, so I don't know where you guys went wrong. I I went wrong with this, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) On my looks, you know? Whatever idea I might have had, if this theory was true, (laughs) I went terribly wrong. But here's the other thing that's kind of weird. He says, gradually you would change shape to a hooked nose, thinner lips, beady eyes, yes. a larger forehead. Are those things that you'd <laughs> no, go for? No, go for, no. <laughs> and actually, that almost sounds like the um, the Nazi uh, propaganda yeah, thing Jews, about Jews. Jews. Yeah, right, true. <laughs> the uh, you're right. beady eyes. Yeah. What the fuck, David? No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think he was going there. I, I think he think was so just, either. you know, I, don't, I have well, that's just my well, own record, That's just me getting triggered. All yeah. of these. <laughs> so, um, there's a lot of character songs on this like weird characters because the next one we have Mojik appears in the next song yeah and we have the guy from uh, um, Once in a Lifetime you know and we have um, now the Great Curve is one where it seems to be more maybe a universal theme I think so but you know you're talking about one of the things I want to go back to the title of the album on is these are all strange people most of them are strange yeah, or on yeah, the edge right. and I think they're trying to say Try to stay in the light. Try yeah, not, try okay. not to try to bring bring yourself back to the positive. Right. Yeah. Okay. Don't don't focus on. Yeah. And, right. Right. And if you're not one of these people, you know. Okay. So he's got this weird idea. Well. I, okay. So <laughs> yeah. David Byrne made a solo record. Made, was sang on a um, a Robert Fripp solo record, mm-hmm. and um, or he sang and he um, he says. Remain in hell without despair. Oh, Urizel, Urizel. Remain in hell without despair. So what he's he's basically restating that is state, be who you are, even if it's not right, without despairing. You know, remain in light. I think I, that you're hitting on what I think the theme is, and it took me a while to get there, but... You know, enjoy your weirdness. Be right, we're, we're right. all you know. You're all right. some of these people are on the margins more than you know we would think we are, but we've got crazy ideas too. So stay in the light. Think about all the other people that might have that, and, and you know, enjoy their oddness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, certainly. Go. That's available to us in our... <laughs> yes, me and Barry uh, wallow in, in our oddness. Yes. <laughs> we love but it. We have done this 102 times right. otherwise. Yes. All no. right. So this uh, this next song, speaking of Mojik, uh, this yeah. is a very dark... Maybe the darkest song in the record. Uh, let's listen to a little bit of Listening Wind.
Uh, so yeah, dark. <laughs> so basically, yeah. this is a terrorist Mojik who carries out a bombing of uh, yeah. the American. Uh, <laughs> and I think that there's um, you guys. The, this reminds me of a like a Paul Bowles story, Sheltering Sky. Mm-hmm. Paul Bowles was the early one of the. Um, he was like the the first uh, beat writer, or that he was sort of the an influence on the beat writers because he moved to um, Tangier and he wrote these stories of these very would have a very very similar feel to Listening Wind, where there's um, some character is. Um, some bad thing is going to happen and he writes it in a very um, um, particular way that, and this reminds me of a Paul Bold story so I wonder whether David Byrne is referencing some of um, Paul Bold's very um, disturbing but um, particularly Moroccan sounding uh, uh, that, that's the kind of feel I get I get the North African it's North Africa yeah, yeah, yeah that's right and then you also get that he's kind of sympathetic towards yeah. this guy. Well, or, or if he's not sympathetic, he's just presenting this is what's happening. This From, is the guy, and he's this is how he feels. Right. And, and he's and not and passing judgment. Why he's, yeah, this yeah. is why he's doing it, because they've t- uh, yeah, taken right. over his land. You know, he remembers yeah. how his land used to be and right. what it's like now. And uh, and then it's got this has got more of that crazy guitar Adrian Blue Adrian Blue is just and and he which starts gives it adds to like the haunting quality yeah. of the whole yeah. song. This yep. is a very dark song, and there's really no two ways to see around the you know this guy feels his land's been invaded, sure, and he's going to fight back to get his land back. Right. Yep. And remember the Iranian hostage crisis happened and, the year right. before. Right. Right. Sure. Right. Right. So that right. was fresh in mind um, to Prawley's folks. So. I don't think he's justifying terrorism in any, you know, no, form no, or fashion. No, I, I think this but, is... Like, rep- I, think I think what Barry said is right. It's just it's a reportage. Yeah, a matter of right. fact, this is, his, this is from this guy's point of view. But it's also cool the way... This actually has one of the prettiest choruses on it the does. whole record. The when wind he says, in my heart. The wind, yeah. Yeah, yeah, my heart, in my dust heart, in my head, there. the wind in my heart, drive them away. Drive so them it's away. like he almost puts this pretty chorus on it in the most horrible song of what this guy actually and feels like And of course like the guy's not going to drive them away, which is we know, this right. is something that we do know, right, is right. that what he's doing is futile, right. That, right. They're, that they're not going away. No, yeah. He's, right. he's going to end up dead, and some other people are going to end up dead, but... The corporation is yeah. still going to be there, but it's a powerful, pretty powerful song. It right? is, and you know, this is another person on the edge. You know, the edge of uh, oh, sure, yeah, whatever definitely. is considered society. Okay, now, so one might one might say that's the darkest song on the record, <laughs> but then we get the last song on the record, which sound. But I have a lot to say about this song, and this is this is the song I was talking about that also sort of. Uh, Maybe it illustrates why I can't connect so much with these guys, but okay. let's just listen to a little bit first of the All right. overload. Yeah. Thank you. 
Go ahead. You go first. <laughs> oh, 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 okay. Well, I, I could say that they did. They definitely loaded the slower tunes onto side two, the end of side two, and the more, um, uh, you know, the the more subdued. Whether it's it may, it's not relaxing, but it's definitely not up tempo or. Um, it's definitely once you get to the end of side two, you sort of are winding down. Yeah, yeah. This is a you know a trudge through Joy Division. Well, that's they the didn't. thing is, I they could have left, they I, I left remember, this off the record, and well, I wouldn't yeah. miss no, it. I but, remember this song. I remember hearing it thinking, "Ah, it's cool." And if I didn't know the actual creation story of this right. song, I would think, "Oh, that's pretty cool and everything." But do, do you know what they said about this song? Like why they did it? They they read about Joy Division, but they hadn't heard Joy Division. Right. Which, said, by the way, I'm not buying that totally. I don't believe in 1980 that none of these guys heard and Joy Division. At all, I don't believe that. Well, I think that's bullshit. Maybe okay. David Byrne didn't, but I think it's a better story saying it that they just they wanted to write a song that sounded uh, like what they thought right. Joy you, Division you, would sound like. Your facts are cutting a hole in me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the problem. Fucking goofy. Here's the problem that I have with them. It's almost like a parody like it's a parody song of Joy Division and the fact that these guys are the fact that someone would even want to reverse engineer a Joy Division song and then not just that but do such a good job at it because it sounds just like a Joy Division song it does except it doesn't have Ian Curtis well but you could picture him singing over it instead of David Byrne you could but that would make it better but singing the same words uh a terrible signal, too weak to even recognize a gentle collapsing, the removal of the insides. Come on, that's a fucking Joy yeah, Division right. song. Sure. All right, so, so I'm, I've been born on a puncher, so I can handle this. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you're. The way I look at it is. I'm coming at it too hard, right? No, no, no. I mean, that's, that's me. It's my own issues. <laughs> you could say it. I did not know that story, by the way. I always just thought it was like, well, oh, that's a weird song to put on the end of your I, record. I don't know why they would tell us anything different than what they really thought. They don't, okay. you know, they don't pull any punches on anything else. But right. I would say this. You know, a lot of times David Byrne is not seen as the most uh, emotional or sympathetic lead. Compassionate. Compassionate. Yeah, no compassion, right? And he. Right, been, right. But. If you look at the words, I'm touched by your pleas, I value these moments. This song is about the collapse of society. You know, you're going life during wartime, and yeah, then here's sure. the collapse yeah, of society. Sure. And you don't even notice, you know? Is right. it global warming and inches of water coming up? You don't yeah. even notice when the Roman Empire... Nobody said, okay, That's today it. is the end of the Roman Empire, <laughs> tomorrow we start something. It happens so gradually, you don't even notice it. And he's saying... Okay, we've got each other. We see society collapsing. That's all we got. We just got each other. And okay. I, I see your point that, you know, a lot of times he doesn't necessarily come across as the most emotional guy. <laughs> I and, see more humanity in you uh, defending David Byrne than I do in David <laughs> Byrne, actually. I think you. If I'm in the mood for it, I really like a Talking Heads right. record. But I have to be in the. Except for this one. This yeah. one I can listen to anytime. Uh, the Talking Heads records, I, I sort of have to be in the mood for them. I, I can go back from this one all the way back and love all four of them. I think from here on out, uh, a, it gets a little, you know. I, I, I still like, I occasionally like uh, Naked, believe it or not, but uh, True Stories, meh. Yeah. And uh, their pop album, which was their bestseller, uh, Little Creatures, meh. Pass. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a big one for them, yeah. right? Um, yeah. If yeah. Really, it's these first four that yeah, the, of are course. the canon yeah. of... And, and speaking in tongues... Is also a good record. You're right. It is. It is. It's just not. A Unfortunately, speaking in tongues has the problem of following remain in light. It does. And anything you do after that is sort of 
like, oh, well, you made your masterpiece. Eh, what are you going to do now? And I, think, I think we've mentioned, you know, there's times when you just like to see the band go away and, you know, end at a high note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, not yeah. many bands do. They, you know, they put out a couple albums right. afterwards and then, you know. Stinkers. They, yeah. they did a pretty good job. And you, we were they talking did. earlier that yeah. you, because in our, if you, if you were a patron like Tom is, you'd know that I put out a thing in there about uh, what bands could you think of that never really made a bad record and the police I use the police as that because they only released five albums and you which and you could argue that they never made a bad record a or bad they record. never make it made a good record depending on how you feel about the police <laughs> no but I think <laughs> I think if you were yeah objective about it you would yeah, say they I, I agree with and, you and you would you would said it, a case could be made that the talking heads never really made a bad record true stories is made. their their nadir their bottom you know and that's just okay it's right it's but not it's, terrible it's not horrible it's exactly. not like we were talking about like cut the crap right from, exactly <laughs> Yeah, but they're too good. The thing is, they're probably they're too good. They're too good uh, a, yeah. a band. They're too talented. They're too smart <laughs> to do something that bad. I guess. I, I think you're right. You know, in a, a division of the bands afterwards, I, in my opinion, they never really did anything anywhere right. close. Right. You know, right, on their right. solo efforts, as yeah. good as this. No. But um, mm. but we have this, and this was a great uh, it, great it record great to go over and talk. And we thank you uh, again, Tom, so much. Yeah, for and for being yeah. our favorite. I think we we could say he's our favorite. He bought us dinner. What are we going to do? He bought I us mean, exactly. Who else? And uh, you, uh, yeah. it's not my fault that you just uh, ordered. Maya, he ordered Maya he, ne- Joe, Rob, bought, we went to dinner. Oh, Rob ordered three pancakes. That was it, and he ordered no, French I had toast. Two. Two, two pancakes. <laughs> I had a short stack. I, I ordered an actual meal and ate it. <laughs> you did. But that's all right. Barry was hungry. Also, you know. <laughs> um, all right. So next week, speaking of Joey Maya, we have our next week. Well, next week, I don't know when this is coming out, but our, our next Live at Laser Wolf uh, taping is Wednesday, February 26th. So maybe this will be out before that, after that. But we're doing Iggy Pop, Lust for Life. Love that album. Well, it, it'll definitely be out after we record it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how all this works, Barry. We're a week ahead. We're recording a week ahead, uh, so same as it ever was. Rob. Same as it ever was. <laughs> all Just right, look where my hand was. That's what our he good goes friend uh, Joey Maya. And uh, don't forget the, the new unauthorized uh, Facebook group called That Facebook yeah, Group. Unauthorized. Got me. It is. Well, I mean, uh, he asked permission, and we said okay. That uh, would be authorized. It's called, I guess. Yeah. All right. That Facebook group got me high. So yes, uh, check Mark that Gar- out and, uh, Join it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's fun. It's actually a lot more fun than our uh, than our. Uh, yeah. Well, that's official page, yeah, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook page. You know, that's not a surprise. All right. Don't forget, guys. Don't forget to like us, subscribe to us, rate us, and most importantly. Share us. Right? Share, right. Share, Share with your friends. Share us with all your like-minded uh, people who might enjoy whatever it is we do. What are we doing here? The other great, in, the, a great service to the arts of music. Thank you, Tom. Share yes. it with the other inmates at whatever institution you are um, <laughs> locked we'll up begin. in. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Once again, Tom, thank you so much. This yes, Tom, this is awesome. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, once again, that is Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. This is That Record Got Me High. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Everything will be all right tonight No one moves, no one talks, no one thinks, no one walks